Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. Today, we're going to be talking about organ donation, which is a topic that most of us only encounter when we are asked whether we want to be an organ donor when we renew our driver's license. But even in that brief moment when we consider our response to that question, it can seem so remote a possibility and be so hard to fathom what's going to happen with your body after you die, let alone donating your organs and tissue. There is understandable reluctance to answer in the affirmative in response to the question, but there are also unfounded myths and inaccurate information that feed into our decision-making process when it comes to organ donation. And we're going to talk about some of those myths with our guest today, but before we do, let's talk about why organ donation is so important. It's estimated that over 100,000 people in the U.S. are waiting for an organ transplant, but many never get the call that there is a suitable donor offering them a second chance at life. In fact, about 20 patients per day die in the U.S. because of a lack of donor organs. What's wild about this is that when asked, nearly all Americans support donation, but only about 60% are registered donors. In fact, I'm, I'm actually proud to count myself as, as one of those in the 60%, right? So here to talk about these issues with us today is Mark Tudor, who is the president and CEO of Aurora, which is the Arkansas Regional Organ Recovery Agency. It's the largest organ, tissue, and eye recovery agency in Arkansas. And Mark has more than 25 years of experience in this sector in multiple states, including Virginia and Michigan. He earned his Bachelor's of Science degree from Bowling Green State University and a Master of Strategy and Leadership degree from Michigan State University. He also holds certifications in transplant preservation and procurement coordination. So thanks so much, Mark, for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. So before we get to the more serious stuff, which we're going to get there, I want to know what keeps you busy when you're not working. Well, I've only been in Arkansas for about 10 months, so uh, finding a house was one, Uh, shopping, getting furniture. Uh, You know, you can buy furniture, but it doesn't get delivered for about three months nowadays. Um, And just learning the area. You know, we've hit a couple waterfalls. Arkansas has a great food scene, so we're just exploring the neighborhood, finding our favorite restaurants, and just, you know, figuring out when people come to visit, like, what's in Arkansas? Finding the greatest places to show them when they go. Go here, go here. Go here, right, right. exactly. So so thus far, what's your, your favorite restaurant? Um, or I, restaurants. I would say my favorite steakhouse is Sonny Williams. Yeah. My favorite Sunday brunch is Yaya's. Uh-huh. Uh, my favorite Italian restaurant is uh, the restaurant Capello. Oh, it's great. I love that restaurant. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, I could talk all day about that. So I asked this of, of all of our wonky guests. And what would you say is your theme song? That, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, for me, I'm more of an old school guy, so I'm going to have to pick uh, Marvin Gaye and Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Oh, baby, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, baby. 
I think that song is just inspirational, and and, and it kind of relates to both personal and professional. Like we always want to strive for a, a, you know, something that's unachievable or yeah. or that next level. And I think that song just goes to show that you know you, nothing can really stop you. Yeah, and boy, what an artist and a and a, a an advocate for social justice, yes, right? Absolutely, I mean, just a great guy. So. Um, so tell us a little bit about what brought you into this line of work and to uh, Aurora itself here in Arkansas. Well, my first job right out of college was in dialysis, taking care of patients with kidney failure. And then some of those patients would leave. And that's how I learned about transplants and learned about organ procurement organizations. And I was hooked. Yeah. I just had to do more than just take care of patients. I had to help save patients. Yeah. Uh, so I jumped over into this world. And, you know, I worked in Ohio, then Michigan for 20 years, and Virginia. And, and when the opportunity came to come to Arkansas... Um, it was actually quite amazing because you looked at the national data in Arkansas, and Arkansas was probably um, one of the poor performing organizations in the country. Mm. And a lot of people ask me, they go, why would you go down there? You know, that's just, you know, could be career yeah. suicide for you down there. And, and I said, absolutely not. Like, I can make the biggest impact in Arkansas. Yeah. I think I can help save more people there than I do here doing what I do. So I, I took that jump and I said, you know what, I'm going down there. I've never visited Arkansas. I'm going to just take a leap of faith and trust that I can help people. And that's what we're doing. Just blind to it. You blind to it. Came right in. Never been here. And, and I absolutely love it now. And the people here and, and the changes that we've made, um, they're, they're pretty big. Yeah. We, we have the largest growth of ev- any organization in the country with, with our donation rate. We're at like 47% donation rate increase this year. The the OPO in second place is around 20-something. So Wow. We we're just crushing Already it this year. Strides. Yeah, we're making that's huge great. differences, that's and that's so that's why I came here. So I want to start with a with a clarifying question because I, I know the focus of of my intro was on deceased donors, but of course you can also be a living donor, right? Yeah, absolutely. Aurora only deals with deceased organ donation, uh-huh. but UAMS has a living donation program where you can actually donate a part of your liver, part of your kidneys. If you go to a lung program, you could donate a lobe of your lung to, to a loved one. Uh, UAMS just signed up with the Cared Pit Kidney Exchange Program. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you are, you need a kidney transplant and your loved one doesn't qualify, is not a good match for you, you could donate, your loved one could donate that kidney to this pool and uh-huh. they'll put it into a complete stranger, but that complete stranger might be compatible with you and you're going to get a kidney back out of it. Interesting. So they they do that, and they call these paired kidney exchanges, and they've had some of these exchanges go 20, 25 people deep where oh. you're just given to an altruistic wow. person, and then you get your kidney in return. What a great program. Yeah, and, it's great. And for you guys to work with partners like that, of course, we're all trying to save a life, right? Oh, so absolutely. partnership's the yeah. key. Yeah. So in, in, in your organization, what's the typical process of – organ and tissue recovery then to the transplant? Well, I think the first thing for people to realize is how rare organ donation is. Mm-hmm. There are about 15,000 hospital deaths per year that are reported to our organization, and we only had 107 organ donors in 2021. Wow. So you're talking less than 1% of every death that occurs in the hospital even has the opportunity to become an organ donor. And then our authorization rate is only about 50%. So if you die at a hospital, to become an organ donor, it's probably less than half a percent chance that you qualify wow. and that people consent to organ donation. That's why it's so important to know, to get out there and do this process. But the process itself takes around 24 to 48 hours. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of people think, you know, this can be done right away. Um, but we have to do a lot of testing to see what's available, what's what organs are viable uh-huh. for transplant. And we, we do testing such as serologies. Look at your HIV, hepatitis status. Uh-huh. We do your genetic makeup so we can find the... the the best person to put this organ in. And that takes us around 12 hours just to get that testing yeah. done. 
and then we have to evaluate every organ. And if the heart's going to go to Texas, Texas flies in here to recover the heart. So we have to schedule an OR. So it's a lengthy process. Wow. Yeah, it, it takes it takes 24 to 48 hours. But when you think about taking a heart out of somebody in this state and Absolutely. it goes to a state four states away and transplanted within four hours from the time they take it out to put it in, it's amazing coordination. It just takes a little time. The the science that has progressed to be able to make that happen is just astounding. So let's get to the crux of this. I I mentioned this in my intro. I want to know about some of those common myths about donation and how do we displace those? You know, one of the myths are you can't have an open casket funeral. And that's not true. You have a a surgical incision. um, It's closed up like any other surgery would be. So you can still have an open casket funeral. It doesn't affect any of those arrangements. It's free to donate. That's why we call it donation. A lot of people fear that they're going to be charged and they can't afford two extra days in the ICU. You know, my organization, which is a nonprofit organization funded through basically CMS, through the government, um, we pick up those costs because that's what the government tells us to do. So there's no cost. Um, you know, a lot of people worry about, I get treated less at the hospital. You know, if uh-huh. I have it on my license, they're not going to take care of me. Well, at Aurora, we don't work at the hospital. Yeah. We work with the hospitals. They call us after you die, and then we come in and do that process. And a lot of people think that it's the doctors at the hospital that do it. It's an entirely different team. It's yeah. not even the people There's in the no ER. Association the, with absolutely that. no yeah. association, no ties. They don't have the solutions to preserve the organs, the mechanisms to take them out and transplant them. Plus, they don't have that 24 hours of evaluation and makeup to even find a recipient appropriate right. to put that organ in. So, yeah. Once you know how the system really works, you really see that it's it's a pretty fair system. It's a blinded system, and a lot of those myths we can easily dispel. Yeah. But you have to ask the question. Yeah, yeah. And people have to know. They have to be aware of that. Right. And it's, it's hard to get that message out. So I, it's hard to, for me to really think of a sector that hasn't been impacted by the pandemic, right? So what are some of the issues that donation has faced during this time? Well, some of the big things was just supplies. Uh, you know, getting masks, keeping our staff safe, because, mm. you know, when the hospitals call us, we have to go into the hospitals. And that's where, you know, that's where COVID was, you know, all the patients who are all yeah. the people who were positive. So getting enough supplies to keep our staff safe, the masks, the gowns, the face shields, the protective equipment, you know, that was a challenge because we're not a hospital. Uh, so we don't we didn't fall into that first tier of defense, but we fell into the second tier of defense. Right. So we were you know we weren't first in line to get the COVID vaccines, but we were second in line to get yeah. the COVID vaccines. So <laughs> it's just there was a lot of that there, making sure we kept our people safe. Um, and then with COVID, you know, obviously you're taking an organ out of somebody. If the donor has COVID, does that transmit into the recipient? Uh, so there was a lot of concerns about that and Some learning curves. Yeah. yeah. And over the past two years, we've learned that only the lungs have transmitted COVID from a recipient to a donor. Hmm. It happened once and they've stopped doing lung transplants that way, but it doesn't affect the hearts, the liver, the kidneys, um, all other organs, the pancreas. The donor can have COVID and that doesn't transmit into the recipient. And once we found that out, things kind of went back to normal. There's probably about a two month period where, you know, we're all in question and trying to figure out what to do, what was the right thing. Um, But I think we're back on pace now. Good, good. So, so you've, you've had some success thus far in Arkansas and I've I would assume that's due to some increased awareness. What are you What are you doing to increase awareness about donation, and what are some of the tactics that maybe have been used in other states that you're bringing in here? Uh, yeah, I think for us, it's all about getting that trust back in the t- 
in the community, you know, in this, and then South, there's a lot of mistrust in the right. medical community and for a lot of great reasons. And, and the, we talk about the disparities in healthcare and why there are more people with black and brown skin on the transplant list and getting less transplants than Caucasians. And, you know, we can't go out and put a billboard in the middle of uh, the inner city of Little Rock and say, donate. We can't ask people, you know, hey, what are you going to do for, for me? You know, what can we do for them? Yeah. We got to be out there and we got to start educating with prevention, uh, be part of the community, uh, making those ties. You know, we've hired a couple outreach specialists that target um, our areas uh, that have low authorization rates. Um, next year, we put in the budget to hire a Hispanic outreach coordinator. Uh, we feel we need to actually bond better with that community. So for us, it's kind of more of a ground roots for next year. Uh, we're not we're not looking to be on the media. We're not looking for billboards and TV ads. We, you know, we need to be in the public. We need to start building that trust back. Good, good. So, uh, you know, the I, I think that probably the getting organ donation added to the driver's license question, right, was a, was a kind of a big policy win for you guys. It kind of gave a default opportunity for people to opt in and say, I want to donate my organ um, or organs. Are, are there some policy changes at, at institutional levels or governmental levels that can increase the number of organ donors or enhance the transplant process for those who are in need? Well, the registry has been great for everybody across the country because you sign up, it's a legally binding document. You know, it's, we no longer have to go to a family at their worst time and say, you know, did this person want to donate? And yeah. maybe they didn't know. Uh, now that it's on their license, we can go to them and say, hey, this is what they wanted. Let me show you how we're going to make this happen. Let me show you how we're going to make this person a hero. Yeah. Uh, so that really helped. Um, CMS did come out and... Um, 2019, Trump signed an executive order on kidney reform, and Biden's uh, extended this order as well, where they are looking at all the organizations like Aurora across the country. There's 56 of us, and they've made new requirements on what our donation and transplant rates need to be. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the bottom 25% um, in 2026, they're going to decertify you. Wow. And then uh, a higher performing OPO will come in and take over your service area and institute what they're doing there. So there's this big push to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to have a high donation and transplant rate. And over the last two years, like I said, Aurora has we were underperforming, but I think now we're 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 almost to the top. We're getting there. Getting we're, there. We're getting, getting there. Headed, headed towards 2026. And yes, a, and a we're good, excited about 2026. We have great numbers <laughs> right now. So, so my my final question of you is: um, if there were one piece of advice you would give to someone who's considering donation, what would that be? Um, for me, it's more of a personal story. Um, I've been doing this job for over 25 years, and I can't tell you how many families I've talked to, and they'll look you straight in the eye and say, if it was your daughter, if it was your son, if it was your mom or dad, would you do this? You know, is it is it on my license? Yes, it's on my license. Three and a half years ago, my 22-year-old uh, daughter was an organ donor after a tonsillectomy. And when you talk about having hatred towards the medical community mm. for um, a malpractice issue and, and being really frustrated at the hospital and having no control, I can see how families could say no. Um, but, but the fact that I had a talk with my daughter and she wanted to be an organ donor and signed up to be an organ donor, we knew that's what she wanted to do. And from that, um, she actually had her heart, her lungs, her liver, and her kidneys transplanted. And we've actually met uh, four of those re- four of those recipients, oh, and wow. we're great friends today. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So, and every one of her uh, recipients was somebody of minority descent. So, one kidney went to uh, Florenda, who's Filipino. George um, is Middle Eastern. Um, Amy is African American. 
The living recipient's Maria, who's Hispanic. She lives in Cleveland. Um, and we just heard last month from the heart recipient for the first time. So we're kind of excited. We don't know who, who Sam is yet, yeah. but we're, we're excited about getting to know that. So I love telling people my story that, you know, one of the worst days of my life turned out to be three, four years later, I'm able to look back at that and say, you know what, without my daughter, these people would be dead. And now I have an extended family and we talk, we reach out. And for my healing process and my family's healing process, it's meant a lot. Heartbreaking, but absolutely compelling story. Um, Well, I I can tell you, I encourage you to go out and and educate yourself about organ donation for our listeners. And um, hopefully you'll register just like uh, we have. So thank you so much, Mark, for joining us today, and uh, wish you luck in uh, at Aurora and your success in Arkansas. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, the views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. And again, thanks for listening.